we're going to be looking at a, just a, a great passage of scripture here this morning that gives us some really wonderful eternal truths and, and blessed promises of the Lord. It also helps us to really identify here today our, our relationship with God. And to do that, Jesus used a very common and practical picture of his day, and that was of a shepherd and a sheep. So while we stand together, let's read these first few verses. John chapter 10, let's stand for the reading of God's word here this morning. It tells us in John 10 verse 1, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and, to, and the sheep hear his voice and, the, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So Lord, I pray that as we get into your word here this morning, as we look at these wonderful truths that you have for us and really looking to show and reveal the relationship we have with you as a sheep to the shepherd, I pray that you'd give us understanding heart and an understanding mind just to comprehend these things, to receive it, and to be strengthened as a result from it. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And so here's what we're going to be looking at as we take this first section in John 10. We're going to be seeing how Jesus gathers his sheep, how Jesus guards his sheep, and then how Jesus gives his life for the sheep. Now, before we dive in, let me just say, again, this is a wonderful way to picture this relationship between Jesus and between those that are his. Now, if we don't give a little clarity here, I think before we get going, you're going to miss a lot of that very fitting depiction that we're looking at here. Because even in their day now, as Jesus starts to talk through and use this kind of language, they're sort of not getting it. They're like, I don't understand what you're talking about here. And I know that most of us don't have much of a shepherding background. I'm sure not many. Has anybody done any sheep herding? Hansons, I know. All right. But sheep herding a little bit. Yes. Okay. So we've got a few people here. But most of us, I'd say sheep. I've, I've maybe in my time, you know, done a little bit of sheep herding. Uh, you know, knocked them around a little bit. But not sheep herding. That's something I haven't really had much experience with. All right. Okay. And so this is something that might be very new for you and, and maybe new for some of you, EWE as well. So in Psalm 23, it's a rough start, isn't it? Now in Psalm 23, we have, of course, that famous chapter, right? That the Lord is my shepherd, David writing to illustrate and to show this relationship that he has, that God is the shepherd. And, and they saw, David was very familiar with shepherding, right? And he saw that a shepherd's role is to care for, to feed the flock, to protect the flock. And David recognized that's what God was doing for him. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. So right there, even all through the Old Testament, we have this, this picture of us. 
the, the, the children of God being the sheep of, of his pasture. So we are called the sheep of his pasture. And to understand how fitting this is, I think we need to quickly just see some characteristics of sheep. And maybe get a little bit more understanding why the word of God would refer to us as sheep. Well, first of all, sheep are wayward. All right. Sheep can wander off and get themselves very lost very quickly. There's no built-in GPS system on a sheep. You can take a dog who, who can be dropped off halfway across the country from his home, and he will make that trek and find his way back home. A sheep just wanders away from the shepherd. They might get around a little bit of a knoll or a hill, and all of a sudden they find themselves, where am I? How do I get home? They wander, and they easily get lost. Does that sound familiar? I love this song, Come Thou Fount. And how it says, prone to wander, prone to leave the one I love. And, and, and how that is, I think, a, a good picture of us as sheep. How, how quick we are to, how prone we are to kind of wander away from the fold, from the, the place that we know we really need to be. How quick we can wander. Well, secondly, well, Isaiah 53, 6 says that, right? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So sheep are wayward. Secondly, sheep are witless. All right? You can say that there are two varieties of sheep, dumb and dumber. All right? That's pretty much sheep. That's what we're looking at by them being witless. They're, 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 they're not the brightest of animals. They're typically not the animals that you see being trained, you know, like in dog shows, going into the circus, or you see them on America's Got Talent. You're like, no, sheep aren't going to be of any help here, right? This is not the animal that we want to be using for that. And again, that can oftentimes be us. Now, you might take offense to that, but how many times have you knowingly done something that you know is not to your profit? Or how many times have you gone against God's word when you know, I know this is the right thing to do, but Oh man, and, and we can tend to be not very bright sometimes when it comes to neglecting God's word and doing that which we know is ultimately going to strengthen us and be to our, our benefit. How many times does God have to look down at, at our actions and just be like, oh sheep, you know, there they go again. This, this comic here kind of illustrates these two points here. They're wayward and they're witless. It says, Bo, Bo Peep um, sent me to find you. Good, I was very lost. So do you know how we get home from here? No, I thought you knew. Don't worry, Bo Peep will send someone to find us. That's kind of sheep right there. So sheep are wayward, sheep are witless, but also sheep are weak. You see, the sheep become very defenseless without their shepherd. Most animals have some kind of way of warding off predators right you know a a dog can bite a cat can scratch a donkey can kick a a skunk can spray even rabbits you know they they can be fast and they can dodge away from their their predators but a sheep man there's not a lot going for the sheep that's going to be able to protect itself on its own you see and in like manner there's not a lot that we're able to do in and of ourselves to to protect ourselves from the wiles of our enemy, the devil, or from the influences of the world, we're oftentimes going to become quick prey to those things if we're not relying upon our great shepherd, Jesus Christ, to protect us, to help us, to guard us, to do that work for us that we can't do for ourselves. So the sheep, as you see, becomes a very 
good and fitting picture of us. Of those that are seeking to follow God, follow our great shepherd. So let's take a look at what Jesus is saying to us and, and what he's ultimately offering to us as his sheep. Look at verse 1 again. Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now, as shepherds were out, you know, tending their flocks by the day, they, were, they would have them out in the fields where they could see. But at night, when it got a little dark, when it got a little bit harder to keep track of them, they would bring their flocks into a, a sheepfold, a, a pen that was walled up, that would have an opening there as a door. And so the shepherds would bring their sheep in at night and they would be in the safe confines of a sheepfold through the night. The shepherd was able to get some rest. Oftentimes they'd have a, a, a doorkeeper there, a, a, a man that was hired to watch the sheep while they were in the fold through the night there. And oftentimes multiple shepherds would bring their sheep into one of these folds, into one of these sheepfolds. So there would be, different flocks there all right under different shepherds that would all be mixed together in the sheepfold here and and that doorkeeper was there to keep watch of any unauthorized people coming in and trying to take one of the sheep that's why jesus says if anyone comes in any other way than through the door well he says they're a thief and a robber now a thief comes in he takes things that aren't his a robber comes in and, and he, he does it in a much more kind of, you know, violent way. All right. Now, the thief and the robber, they don't have the proper credentials as a shepherd. They come in, they're trying to take something that's not theirs. They're not the shepherd. They don't have the right credentials for that. That's, that is what often happened as thieves would, would, you know, they would climb up over the wall of one of these sheep pens. They would, they would slaughter sheep and throw back over and take what wasn't theirs. And the doorkeeper had to be alert, had to be aware. Now, keep in mind here again that this message that Jesus is sharing right now is going out after we saw the mistreatment of the man in chapter 9 that was born blind. We're seeing this kind of following right after this account in John chapter 9. There's just a continuous flow that we're seeing following from the, the Feast of Tabernacles in John uh, 7 and a John 8, John 9. Now John 10, this message is going forth here. And Jesus is speaking this message as much to these religious leaders that were not behaving as true shepherds. The very ones that should have been there that were protecting and guiding the nation of Israel. But they weren't. They were in it for themselves. They weren't, they weren't coming in through the, the door of the pen, which is speaking of God's appointed way. Jesus is, is going to later proclaim in John 10 verse 7 that he is indeed the door even. He's the very door of the entrance here into this fold. But these religious leaders thought they were the authorized ones to give the orders to lead the sheep. They were the ones because they were appointed into this office. And so they were using the office for their own personal gain. Not for, not for the, the protection, the care of the sheep. They were in it for themselves. They didn't come through the proper means. Jesus, however, I mean, he fulfilled all the prophecies uh, of Old Testament scripture. He's the one that came as the very anointed of God. He comes in with the right credentials. Nobody else could say that they've done that. So Jesus is confronting them on this truth here, that they've not entered through the right means. And in fact, 
they've only caused more harm than they have any good. See, these Pharisees, what they were doing is they were leading people in religion rather than in relationship. They were taking people into legalism rather than in love, in false doctrine, rather than in faith and discipline. These Pharisees showed themselves to be jumping into the pen only to steal that which wasn't really theirs and seeking to do so by harm. Think about this with the, the man that was born blind. Because it's, it's a great picture. I think that's what, why Jesus gives this illustration in this message right now to really illustrate what's just going on with this man that was born blind and the treatment he had because the Pharisees invited him in and they start questioning. How, how were you... How'd you have your eyes open up? Who was the one that did this? And they're freaking out because all this was done on the Sabbath. This is breaking their, their traditions, their interpretations of the law. And so they start questioning this man. And instead, the Pharisees, they began to just, you know, rail upon this man. They began to, to uh, abuse this man, in a sense, you know, verbally and, and put him down. They were robbing this, this man of, of enjoying this great miracle and enjoying sight for the first time in his whole life. And they were just bringing him into further burden and distraction and, and it was robbing him. Ultimately, that's what these Pharisees were doing. So Jesus goes on to say in verse two, listen, he who enters by the door, he's the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Now, Jesus says here, the person that comes through the door is showing himself to be the rightful shepherd of the sheep. He's, not, he's got nothing to hide, you see. And the doorkeeper, well, he's going to recognize the shepherd, the true shepherd. There's relationship here. Now, in relationship to Jesus, many see John the Baptist as being, in this illustration, the, the doorkeeper, the one that recognizes the shepherd, invites him in. He was kind of paving the way, in a sense. So John the Baptist could be a fitting picture of that. But here the doorkeeper recognizes the shepherd. And the sheep also recognize the shepherd. <clears throat> Notice it says that the shepherd calls his own sheep. Now, like I said, this is interesting because at night in these sheepfolds, there would be multiple flocks that would be gathered together. So how does a shepherd come in and start gathering all of his sheep? How do you start? I mean, like I say, I have no authority on shepherding, but sheep look much the same to me, right? I can't, I can't tell apart sheep from one another. So how does a shepherd come in? And I'll, Because the sheep... Know his voice. And the shepherd knows the sheep. He calls out to them. You see, that shepherd, though there's a multiple flock going on in that sheepfold, the shepherd walks into the door. The doorkeeper lets in the rightful shepherd, right? And the sheep are going to respond to their shepherd. The shepherd would oftentimes have a certain call that they would give. And he'd sound that call and the sheep would respond. Or, or they might even have the sheep named, just as we would name our pets and we call our pets and they come running. Well, the shepherd would have the names of the, and he'd call out names or he'd have a special call and the sheep would respond. They would recognize their voice. So the picture here is of Jesus coming, calling out to a sheep in a pen of multiple sheep and the sheep responding. How cool is that? 
See, the, the picture for us is so wonderful because it illustrates that we have a wonderful shepherd who knows us and he knows us by name and he cares, cares for us and, and he leads us out. It says that the shepherd will, will lead them out and our shepherd does so very gently, very lovingly. See, a lot of animals have to be driven. Keeping them on track, on task, they have to be driven. But sheep are led. The shepherd goes before them and the sheep just simply follow. Isn't this what Jesus said as he called his disciples? He just simply said those words, follow me. And I love that because Jesus was going to go before. He was going to lead the way. He was going to show the way. He's not driving sheep saying, hey, I need you to do this. Do it this way. Oh, you're getting off track. Whack. He's not doing that. He's, he's leading. He says, simply follow me. And it says, we follow that we're going to be blessed in that following, that, that we're going to find ourselves protected. He goes before us. He, he does it all. He removes all obstacles, potential danger. He keeps us safe and at peace. Following our shepherd is indeed a blessing. Now, that was quite the opposite of what Israel was experiencing with their religious leaders. Because the religious leaders were oftentimes very harsh, intimidating, and threatening. Case in point, that man born blind in John chapter 9, right? He was thrown out of the synagogue. He was driven away. But Jesus graciously comes alongside him. And Jesus leads him out of Judaism and into this fullness of life that he has for him. He leads him out but brings him into the, the flock of God. What a great picture that is. Look at verse 5. It says there, yet, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And Jesus uses this, uses this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Now, those sheep may be wayward, witless, and weak, Here's one thing sheep are that's a positive. They're wary. They're wary in the sense that they're not going to respond to you or follow you if they don't know you. If they don't recognize you, they don't know your voice, they're not going to move. They're not going to follow you. They're very wary in that way. So when the Pharisees and the religious leaders came, the sheep, the true followers of Christ, they're yelling out, stranger danger. We're not following after that. They're recognizing that this, isn't, this doesn't seem to add up. This doesn't seem to be of God. And they're getting as far away from them as possible. There's, there's a lot of voices out there today claiming to speak on behalf of God, yet they are not communicating the truth of God. And sadly, so many Christians are following along blindly, listening to the voice of strangers. You, you think about some of the people that you will see on TV, these evangelists, these, these preachers. And the things that they're, they're stating or saying or speaking is just so foreign to the truth of God's word. And yet, how sad that many are following along. Why is that? Because they don't know the voice of the true shepherd. How do we begin to know the voice of the true shepherd? Well, you get into the very word of God, which God has given us to reveal his heart, his word to us. And the more that we're in the word of God, the more that we're going to recognize the voice of the stranger, the more we're going to know, oh, that's, that's the voice of the shepherd. That over there, that's not the voice of the shepherd that I'm to be following. How we need to be in God's word recognizing these things. And so, 
remember God through the Old Testament had to speak out oftentimes against these false prophets because even in Israel's day, there were many that were speaking uh, a foreign word, a, a word that wasn't God. They were false prophets. But notice how, how God referred to them and spoke against them. Jeremiah 23, verse 1 to 2, for instance, says this, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people, you have scattered my flock, you've driven them away and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1 to 10 is also another passage that alludes to Jesus or to, to God speaking out against these false shepherds, these bad shepherds, false prophets that were not caring for the flock, but were doing what they're doing for, again, selfish gain, much like these religious leaders here in Jesus' day. So as Jesus finished speaking to them, verses 1 to 5, he's giving them this illustration, this great picture that would have been familiar to them, not so familiar to us, but yet even here, the people are hearing all this, verse 6, and they're just looking at Jesus, they're going like, say what? They're like, I don't get it, that's the picture right there in verse 6. Of these sheep just going, what are you talking about? I don't get it. So, so Jesus now, he begins to bring about some clarity. To bring about some explanation now of this illustration here in verse 7. As we move on to that second point now, Jesus guards his sheep. Look at verse 7 with me. It says, then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. So Jesus lets them know that what he's really getting at is that he's the door of the sheepfold. He's, he's the way in. He's the, the one that you go through to be a part of this flock, this family of God. Now this sheepfold here in verse 7 is a little bit different than what we saw in verse, verses you know, 1 to 5 there. This sheepfold was a little bit different in the sense that in the summer months, what would happen is the shepherds would have their sheep out in the hills and pastures. They would sometimes begin to travel a fair distance to find grass. They would, they would get or to find, you know, food and sustenance for the sheep. They'd get a little bit further away from home. So they would begin to go out into different sheepfolds or sheep pens that were out at distant places far from home. And the shepherd would have to be the one. That was watching out for the sheep. And so what the shepherd would do is he'd bring their sheep into these sheepfolds that'd be out in the out in the you know the countryside far away from home. Oftentimes just you know walls made up of, of rocks piled up on one another with one entrance in. Wasn't a door or a gate that, that swiveled on a hinge. What would happen is the the shepherd would sit in the opening and he would essentially be the door. Of the sheepfold. He would be the one that was making sure no sheep were getting out and no bad things were getting in. He would become the door. And so Jesus says to you, listen, I am the door. I'm the one that is allowing people in and keeping people safe once they're in. I'm the door. The door to, to the fold, essentially. See, Israel thought that they were of this fold simply because of their birthright. Just the fact that they were Jews. They thought, we're in. We're the flock of God. We're the, we're the sheep of his pasture. That's it. Simply because of their birthright. They thought they were in. But Jesus states clearly that, no, 
It's not your birthright. It's not what your passport says. It's through me. I am the way into the fold. Being a child of God is about relationship with Jesus. There's, there's no other way. That's why Jesus will say in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. I am the door. And this statement, I am the door, it's that third I am statement that John is looking to record in the Gospel of John. Seven I am statements that, that John is going to be recording through this book here. And so, I'm the door. Again, that was a very deliberate statement that Jesus is making. And in using that term, I am, ego, a me, he's using that same term that God used when Moses asked, who shall I say sent me to the people? God says, I am that I am. The very term, Jesus was identifying himself to be fully God. Deity. He's, he's sharing that himself here. He's expressing that he is fully God. That he's the one that's going to come and provide all that the people need. What do you need? Jesus, well, I am. That I am. I am, I am all things to you. I am everything that you need. Whatever you're looking for, it's going to be found in I am. So Jesus is looking to bring this greater clarity Now, to this work or a message he gave, every time he used that word, that term, I am, he's looking to kind of tie in a work he's done or a word he's given to bring some greater clarity to it. So he's taking people past the miracle or past the sermon to show that all they're looking for, all that they needed was ultimately found in him, that he is the I am, the one to provide for all our needs. Look at verse eight here. Jesus goes on to say, all whoever came before me They're thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Again, he says, I'm the door, verse 9. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, up until now, there, there hadn't been really a lot of good voices speaking on behalf of God. Now, of course, there are many good prophets and shepherds throughout the Old Testament that were used to God and spoke for God. That's not what we're talking about. It seems that Jesus is specifically trying to, to tie this into what's going on in their present day because that's why it says all over came before me are kind of present day tense. They're, they are thieves and robbers. In other words, speaking to these religious leaders, that's who he's got in mind here. That's why it says they are thieves and robbers, present tense, rather than they were thieves and robbers. And so these people... Kind of these, these, these false shepherds, in a sense, they've been keeping people away from the, the real truth, from the real work of God. They've not represented God rightly. But, but those who are sheep, those that are truly following God, they, they're not going to listen to them. They know they're false. That's why when Jesus came, there were many that were drawn to him. Because with Jesus, suddenly they see somebody that's, that's genuine, that's caring, that's compassionate, that's not doing what he's doing for himself. He came very sacrificially laying his life down, as we will see. But they didn't see that with the religious leaders. The religious leaders were like, don't do as I do, do as I say, right? Don't follow my example, just follow what I'm telling you to do. And they were very, very selfishly motivated and driven. But with Jesus, it was the complete opposite. 
So they start realizing there's something different and genuine here with Jesus, unlike what we see with the religious leaders. So Jesus says there in verse 9 again, I am the door. The only way in to enter this safe pasture and care is through Jesus. He's the answer. He's the way by which we come into the family of God where we're, we're saved and now where we enjoy good pasture. You see, we're not just saved from something, which is sin, but we are saved to something. And that's life and care and blessing in Jesus. Aren't you glad for that? Jesus doesn't just say, okay, I've saved you. I've saved you from something. Now, now just try to stay out of trouble and leave me alone. No, he saved us from something, but he saves us to something. He brings us into something even greater than what we've ever experienced before. See, we're given the joy of walking with Jesus and living life in Jesus. That, that means that we're not just spending all of our time in the safe confines of the sheepfold. Notice Jesus says, you will go in and out. Or, you can translate that, or you will go to in and out. That's also a good thing to do, which I got to enjoy this past week. But anyways, I digress. In other words here, we go in and enjoy relationship with Jesus we graze in safety, but we also go out to share that with others. Notice how Jesus refers to that. He will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. You see, the Christian life, my friends, is not just finding salvation and now coming in and just feeding and getting fat. The Christian life is about coming and going. You can tie that into the church. Where we come to church, we get fed, we get encouraged. But here's our mission. We need to go out to the world. We need to take what we're learning, what we're discovering, what we're experiencing with Jesus. And we want to take that out. We want to begin to share that with other people. You see, if we're not doing that, we're not exercising these things that we're taking in. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a little bit lethargic. A, a little bit, you know, just kind of heavy weighed down. Oh, you'll feel good, but you'll start to feel like, oh man, I need to do something with this now. This is kind of weighing me down. How we need to be getting busy in the work of the Lord, sharing the truth of Jesus, the love of Jesus with the dying world around us. Oh, I pray that the Lord would stir our hearts and motivate us just by love and compassion for the lost. To say, thank you, Jesus, that you saved me and that you've given me safe pasture, but Lord, there's many more that are not enjoying safe pasture and how I need to show them the way that you are the way, Jesus. How we need to go out and share with people. That's why Jesus identifies that here. They're going to go in and they're going to go out. And as we're doing so, we're just exercising these things. We're putting into practice what we're learning. We're getting even more fit, more strong. We have great freedom in Jesus. Go in and out. That was something that... those in Judaism weren't experiencing. They weren't experiencing the blessedness and freedom that Christ has come to give. Notice verse 10 here. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they may have have it more abundantly. Oh, that's so good. See, Jesus gives a contrast here between him and the thief now. And... There were very real thieves in that day. Thieves that would try to sneak into the sheepfold and take sheep that weren't theirs. But I think Jesus is taking it beyond just 
the present day situation and is looking at our great enemy. The thief, Satan, the devil, who robs people of life. Satan's only objective, and understand this here today, Satan's only objective is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, though he may offer you happiness, he may offer you the world, he does not have it in him to deliver. And in fact, we saw in John 8, verse 44, that he's the, the father of lies. He's going to tell you anything that he can to make you think that you're going to find something better in and through him. Oh, you don't, know, you don't need Jesus. You don't need the church, man. You can have all this right here in the world through this job, through that activity. And he will promise you the world, but he cannot deliver. Because his only objective, the only thing that Satan can and does do is his desire to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will tell you whatever you need to hear to make you think that you're going to gain in and following Satan, but you will never gain. Only Jesus can give life. All Satan can do is take life. And that's all he's trying to do, steal, kill, and destroy. Understand that. Only Jesus can give life. And he doesn't just give life. It says he gives it how? More abundantly. How many people like things in abundance? I sure do. In and out burger, for instance. In abundance. I'll take it. It's not a bit of a, you know, theme there. But um, we like things in abundance most of the time. And how about life? Life in abundance. Jesus says, I'm not just going to give you life. I'm going to give it to you more abundantly. And, and by that, what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to give it to you in an even more satisfying and more full way than you could ever anticipate or expect. He goes beyond what you could ever imagine this abundant life will be. And Jesus just keeps raising stakes and going beyond and bigger and higher and greater. That's the abundant life we have in Jesus. That's what he desires to give you today. We get to enjoy the blessed, satisfying life now and the greatness of eternal life forever. And understand that. That that Jesus isn't just talking about, oh, it will be a life to come. You know, I'll give you life and life more abundantly. He's saying, listen, come in through me, find life in me, and you will have life now more abundantly. A greater, better life than you will ever experience. You know, I, I was, at, at a, if you didn't know, I was at a conference this past week. Um, and, and, and flying home uh, on Wednesday night, I'm sitting beside a man that, uh, on the plane. And, and, and we, we talked the whole, the whole flight home. And it was great. But here's this man that was once in, in church, kind of got burnt out. Was working with a successful business now in San Francisco and, and doing well. And we're talking about all these things. And I could just see, man, he's, he's getting convicted. He's, he's running out of excuses. And he looked at me and says, what if you're wrong? I said to him, if I'm wrong, I've lost nothing. Because I've just had the most incredible life following Jesus. He's made my life better. I've experienced the love of God, love for others. I've experienced the peace in him. And, and if I'm wrong, I've lost nothing. If you're wrong, you've lost everything. And that hit him. That's something you've all heard, I'm sure, before. But I think that might have been the first time you heard that. He's like, oh, you got a point there. It's like, yeah. And you got to think that through. 
tell you, my life in Jesus is so good, so great. It doesn't mean that we're immune from problems and difficulties and, and, and hardships. No, we, we're still going to go through difficult times, but I know that I've got a great shepherd leading me through, strengthening me, caring for me, loving me. It's an abundant life. It is a great life. It's a life that I'm so thankful for. Only Jesus can do that. Other religions, you see, they will tell you how to live, but they can't offer you any promise of life. And they really don't add to your life. Now, people who are following other religions, they have no assurance of where that will get them. They, they simply hope that their life has been good enough to merit something in return for eternity. But they have no idea. There's no assurance. And so religion, they just kind of heap more burden upon you, more worry. There's no assurance of those things. But through Jesus, we're brought into his pasture, into his life, into salvation, in and through him. He does the work for us and simply says that if we're in him, we have life, abundant life now and everlasting life to look forward to. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. I'm so glad for that. So as Jesus explained himself being the door, he now moves to a secondary image and that is of him being the good shepherd. Like I said, these, these sheep pens didn't always have an actual door that opened or closed on hinges. So the shepherd would simply sit across the opening in the wall and act as the door, keeping the sheep in and predators out. And in so doing, he's showing, I'm the good shepherd. Look at verse 11. As we look now at Jesus giving his life for the sheep. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Here now is the fourth of the I am statements in the book of John. I am the good shepherd. And he clearly lets us know why he is good. Why is he good? Because he gives his life for the sheep. A hireling... One that's hired to care for the sheep that aren't his. Well, he's just doing it as a job, an occupation. He's getting something out of it. But there's no real care for the sheep. So when a predator comes and poses a threat, the hireling just hightails it out of there. He's like, I'm not, I'm not sticking around. These sheep aren't mine. I don't care. I was like, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to protect myself. That's what a hireling does. They're not going to sacrifice themselves for the sheep. Sadly, there are many hirelings operating as pastors today. And by the, word, by, the, by the way, the word pastor, translated in both Hebrew and Greek, is the word shepherd. That's what a pastor ultimately should be. Shepherding, feeding, and caring for the flock. But there are some that are looking at the position of pastor and just as an occupation, looking to use the sheep for their own gain. It's a sad place to be, both for the sheep and for the shepherd. Because the shepherd's going to have to give an account one day. And that's what puts a lot of fear into me, knowing that God's entrusted me with his people. And, and we're ultimately just all sheep together, looking to the good shepherd, our great shepherd. And I'm going to have to give an account to him one day. And that, that puts a lot of fear. And I, I, I pray that you'll be praying for me to, to be a, a shepherd that honors the Lord that carries out his work, that cares for the flock, feeding the flock faithfully. But check out what 
Jesus has done. Look at verse 14. I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own as the father knows me. Even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus has laid his life down for the sheep. That's, that's amazing. See, the good shepherd became the lamb of God who willingly sacrificed himself on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and to redeem us back into right fellowship with God. That's amazing. The shepherd became the ultimate lamb of God who laid his life down. And he's that good shepherd because he knows us, he cares for us. And if we are truly his sheep, then we're going to know him too. In other words, that he desires there to be this intimate fellowship with him. That's great. I know my sheep and am known by my own. The fact that God has made himself known to us. Do you, do you realize the privilege we have in that? The God, the maker of this universe, has sent his son to identify with us, to be one of us, so that we could identify with God, that we could be in relationship with God, that we might know him, that we might be in relationship with him. That is an incredible thing. It's an amazing truth that we get to enjoy intimate fellowship with him. Just as Jesus and the Father were in complete harmony and, and communion and union, so Jesus says, I, wanna, I want you to experience that with me. Are you experiencing that? Just like the sheep there in that first part of John 10 that hear the voice of the shepherd. Do you, do you know the voice of your shepherd? Are you responding? Are you following? Are you walking in close intimacy and fellowship with our shepherd because that's what he has for you that's what he desires of you that's what he's given to you look at verse 16 other sheep i have which are not of this fold them also i must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd so jesus now begins to hint at something so wonderful that he was ultimately going to do through his sacrifice and that was that he was going to expand the flock he was going to bring both jew and gentile together as one flock which would be called the church he was going to do that work here the jew thought that they were the only chosen few no you got to they thought you got to be a jew to be with god but jesus says no I've got other, other sheep from other flocks, not of this fold, that are going to come in. Look at what Ephesians 2, verse 13 and 14 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Look at verse 17. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I received from my Father. I want you to notice something here. Jesus willingly laid down his life. No one took it from, no one can take it from, no one has any control apart from Jesus who is in ultimate control. Even ultimate control of his very life being laid down. And he did this in complete obedience to the Father. Because of this obedience, he knew the Father's great love for him. I think the same applies for us. The more that we walk in obedience to the Father, the more that we're just walking and knowing, experiencing that great love of the Father. And just as Jesus has power to lay down his life, notice what else he says. He has power to do what? To take it up again. Meaning, he knew that he would rise again three days later. 
That's the display of the ultimate power of God. The very fact that Jesus laid his life down, but then took it up again. Rose again, defeating death and sin. That's why he can offer us not just life, but the abundant life today. Because he's alive. And it's through that resurrection power that we can live in him and for him. Understand that. That this is not of yourselves. You don't have what it takes to truly respond to or follow God. It's all given to you through his power, through his might. Resurrection power. He does the work in us and through us. Well, look at verse 19 as we wrap it up here. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he is a demon. He's mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Man, that, that really here reveals kind of the depravity of many hearts, isn't it? That they can see and hear the wonders of Jesus and then just surmise that he's got a demon. Dismiss it as though he's just, he's just possessed of the devil. Now understand that, that Jesus is naturally going to bring division because the way is narrow and people don't want to have to fit into a particular mold or, or go in through you know one way they want the way to be brought they want to they want to make their own choices jesus is naturally going to bring division because the truth is very narrow yet yet they fail to see that in jesus in jesus is the most freeing and blessed way that you will ever experience life and no life Jesus says, come through me and you will experience abundant life. Greener pastures than you've ever experienced before. A door indeed either provides the way in for people or it keeps people out. Which side are you going to be on today? Have you walked in through the door, through Jesus Christ, Have you entered into the life that he has for you? What's holding you back? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and we're going to just close with just a response time before the Lord and in worship and in prayer. Just taking these things to heart. Here's a couple things that we can just take to heart here. We've seen, first of all, that Jesus is the door. He's the door. Have you made your way to him and entered in through him? Because he's invited all. This isn't for a select few. He's invited all. And it costs nothing. There's no tolls on this door. There's no hoops to jump through. You just come in by faith and trust in what Jesus has given you and done for you through the cross. He's the door. And he's the good shepherd. Are you following him today? Are you experiencing the blessed abundant life that he's come to give you? Because he's provided freely for you. He's provided life for you. He laid his life down and took upon himself your sin, my sin, that you could be forgiven, that you could be cleansed, that you could be brought into a right relationship with him so that you now might be forgiven and enjoy life in and through Jesus Christ. Abundant life. Have you received that gift of our good shepherd today? I'm going to ask you all to stand today. And, and we're just going to respond to the Lord. And if you're here today, I'm going to invite our prayer teams to come up and be available in the front, in the back. And our prayer teams are here to pray with you and for you. But I want to say this to you. If you're here today 
and you have not entered in to the flock of God, to the family of God, through the door, which is Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you're saying, yeah, I want that. I want to know that life. I want to experience that life in and through Jesus. Would you just come and make your way down and ask one of these people in the front here to pray with you and for you? And they would love to share more with you and lead you in a prayer just to identify you and your trust in Jesus and to be brought into the family of God here today. Would you, would you just make your way down and, and just share with these people and say, I want that life. Jesus asked me, maybe you're here today and there's been things that are, are holding you back and you've not been experiencing just the, that blessed life of God that he has for you, the abundant life. There's things that are holding you back and, and maybe you don't even know what it is. But there's been obstacles. Maybe you've been listening to the wrong voices and you just need prayer and say, yeah, I want to be, I want to be experiencing that life, the abundant life. I need prayer. I don't want there to be any obstacles. I don't want to be following the wrong things. Would you pray for me? Maybe that's you today. As we sing and worship, we just make your way down and, and just find a person here in the front or in the back to pray with you and for you. And let's just take this time to wait on the Lord and meet with him here today.